thought came to me. We have been taught how to grieve when somebody passes. We've been taught that. There are books about it. You can Google it. We've been taught how to grieve over losing a loved one. But I believe we have been undertaught how do you grieve over what you thought was God's will, but time revealed it wasn't. <laughs> how do you handle when you thought this was God and something shows you you missed it? See, sometimes stress can be defined as the heart's way of grieving over what was not God's plan. Did y'all hear what I just said? If I was a note taker, I'd write that down. Sometimes stress is the heart's way of grieving over what was not God's plan. How do you eulogize disappointment and still maintain your joy? How do you eulogize not getting it and still maintaining your joy? How do you eulogize grieve and let go of the life that you thought you would have by now but you don't have it and you still have joy? How do you handle and grieve over what you thought was God's will but it wasn't? And we have to have this conversation because here in America, we are inspiring people to death. In Western Hemisphere Christianity, we are only preaching about the God that blesses. We're only preaching about the God that has a breakthrough for you. So now we have people who don't know how to handle loss and we don't know how to handle the no of God because we keep on preaching the yes of God. We keep on preaching it's coming of God, but we don't know how to preach and handle when God is saying, no, this is not coming. This is not your season. This is not my will. I have a different plan. It's not going to happen. We don't know how to handle that part. We don't know how to handle the no of God. This is not my will of God. And I've just arrived to this place. Um, you can really know that you're growing in your spiritual maturity when you begin to thank God over what you didn't get. See? This side was just one clap, so I need to put my foot on the gas a little more. I got to teach today. Some of us should have been praising God a little bit bigger because there's some stuff you should have got, but his will made sure that you didn't. There's some bullets you should have got. But his plan made sure that you didn't. There's some jail time you should have got. But his plan made sure that you didn't. There's some STDs that you should have caught. Y'all don't want to talk to me. But you didn't. There's some stuff that should have happened. But God's plan made sure that it didn't. Can I mess y'all up? God's will actually traffics more in what you didn't get. His will actually traffics more in what you didn't give. I know I can get everybody to shout if I say that he's a God that opens doors. We heard that sermon before. I know that I can get the whole house to shout if I preach that he's a God of abundance and a breakthrough is coming. We've heard that sermon before. I know that I can get you to shout if I begin to preach that a financial breakthrough is coming in the next seven days. If you just shout like you lost your mind. We've heard that sermon before. But I wonder is there anybody who's arrived to this place? God, thank you for every door you closed. Thank you for everything that didn't work out. Thank you that I didn't get approved for the application. Thank you that I didn't get the position. Thank you that this didn't work out. Thank you, God, that the relationship did fail. Now, I don't want to talk. <laughs> Thank you, God, the relationship didn't work. See, some of us are mad at God's will and are blaming people. 
you blaming people, but it really was God's will. Let me help you forgive somebody. It's not what they did. It's just it was never God's plan. It's not what they said. It's just it was never God's plan. Stop being bitter over them. It was never God's plan. You asked him to keep you in his will, and he's doing it. Sometimes the answer to your prayer is revealed by what left. I ain't going to like this. I understand. How do you eulogize disappointment? It's when you understand and trust the sovereignty of God. See, our generation is woke to people being narcissists. Hear it all the time. Ooh, that's a narcissist. Ooh, that's toxic. That's unhealthy. You got to protect your mental peace. You got to protect your mental health. That, that's, and I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. I understand narcissists need power. Right? Narcissists need control. Like, that's their supply. In fact, if they can't control you, they will begin to try to control how people see you. Because narcissists need control. Ooh, I'm about to mess y'all up. Some of us don't even recognize we are spiritual narcissists. We're trying to control what God is trying to do in our life. And we try to manipulate it. We try to negotiate with him about it. And then when God doesn't give us what we want, we get mad and say, all that church stuff doesn't work. All that Jesus stuff doesn't work. Where were you at last uh, Sunday? I missed you. I don't even go to church anymore. I don't know why you go to church. Because narcissists try to control the way that you see things when they no longer can control you. Are you a spiritual narcissist? Obsessed with controlling what God is trying to do? Obsessed with controlling God's plan for your life? You have arrived to a place of maturity when you're like, God, thank you for everything I didn't get. I want to have anybody pray that prayer. God, I want to thank you today for all the stuff that won't happen. I want to thank you today for all the times you're going to say no. Or how about when you pray over opportunities, God, if this is not your will, I want you to give me an undeniable no. Make sure it doesn't flow. Make sure it's crystal clear. It's not you. Or do we pray, God, you know this is what I want. (laughs) Have you ever considered... That when God says, for I know the plans I have for you, that must mean that you don't. (laughs) So many times, as I begin to think about this, I'm like, man, I know we can shout over what God is going to do. But what about what he doesn't do? Release them. It was not God's plan. That's why I failed. Stop blaming them. It wasn't God's plan. That's why it failed. But you don't understand, Pastor. It was so painful. I do understand. What I'm trying to do is make sure that your pain eventually pays you. Listen, all this year, from King Encounters to Destiny Decisions to Exit Strategies, I've been trying to get us to understand all of us are going to experience pain. But don't let the pain be unprofitable. If you're going to hurt, at least get a salary from it later. If you're going to experience pain, at least get a breakthrough or a blessing from it later. But don't go through pain because you are hard-headed. Don't go through pain because you just had to get it your way. This is not Burger King. God is a king, not a negotiator. 
Sometimes pain is the midwife to purpose. Purposeful pain is not for your joy abduction. It's for your divine introduction. I'm going to keep going. Purposeful pain. Purposeful pain is preparation for what's coming. Not punishment for what was done. I'm going to keep going. Purposeful pain can teach you pleasures more than sinful pleasure ever will. I'm going to keep going. Purposeful pain is to give your faith some muscle. Your faith needs to get stronger. And God is saying the only way I could do this is for you to know that pain is the midwife to purpose. This is interwoven all throughout the fabric of scripture. I can give you Bible all day. Joseph had to experience pain by being betrayed by his brothers. But that situation was the midwife to his destiny. Because pain is the midwife to purpose. It causes you to give birth to your destiny. Ruth and Naomi both experienced pain by the death of their husband. But that situation was the midwife for their destiny. Because pain is the midwife to purpose. It caused you to give birth to your destiny. Esther experienced pain by Haman trying to slaughter all her people and kill Mordecai. But that situation was the midwife to her destiny because pain will give you a purpose if you allow it to push forth your destiny. Even Jesus had to experience pain and that was the midwife for his destiny. So the question on this afternoon is do you really want to give birth? See how we clapping right there? Do you really want to give birth? I know that you came here today because you were expecting a service. I know that you came here today because you were expecting a program. I know that you came here today because you were expecting to hear a minister. But what I came here expecting was for this to be a delivery unit. There's some stuff that God needs you to birth out. All of my brothers too. There's something that God put on the inside of you that he wants you to birth out. You won't miscarry. You will not abort. I want us to go full term. But the only way that'll be able to happen is can you identify the yes of God from the weight of God, from the no of God? Closed doors. Closed doors really happen in our lives for four reasons. Can I show y'all this? Four reasons closed doors happen. Number one, whenever you experience a closed door in your life. It's God's way of saying, this is not my plan. It's number one. You've been knocking on the door. You've been banging on the door. So you have to understand, if God wants you in a room, you're not going to have to sneak in. You're not going to have to use a fake ID. You're not going to have to lie on the application. You're not going to have to crawl through the window. But his favor will cause you to walk through in the front door. His hand of special preferential treatment will cause for you to get in the room if that's his plan. First thing, closed doors reveal this is not my plan. Second reason why we experience closed doors is this is God saying this is not your room. Somebody said, period. (laughs) This is not your room. The only reason you want this room is to stroke your ego. That's it. The only reason you want this room is to boast in your gift. If I boast in anything, it's in the cross alone. But this is not your room. Maybe this is why the door is closed. Or C, maybe the door is closed because it's not the time. See, can I talk to us? 
This is prophetic for a lot of people. What God wants to do with you is different. Hear me. Stop looking at them and looking to the right. What I'm going to do with you is going to be different and special. But this door is closed because it's not time. It's not time yet. Don't question the delay as denial. It's just not time. And we're really not going to like the last point because for some of us, the reason the door is closed is because obedience is required. <laughs> God, when is this going to happen? God, like, when are you going to bait up? When, when are you, see, some doors are motion-activated doors. God has told you to move, and you haven't moved, so it stands shut. But as soon as you move, it will begin to open. Some opportunities are motion-activated. It's going to be vital for your spiritual well-being and welfare and the outcome of your life for you and I to be able to identify and discern when God's hand is on a thing, that's his favor, versus when, God, when God's hand is off a thing, that's his warning. Oh, I hope y'all are ready for this. Y'all ready for this? Many of us right now are frustrated because our hand is on it. And your hand has been involved in everything so much so to where you can't differentiate between your hand and God's hand. <laughs> I can't discern. See, this is why we are so passionate about us healing on the inside. This is why we have Therapy Thursday. This is why my brother Isaac Curry and I do Therapy Thursday. This is why we have discipleship with my mother. This is why we do this because we want you to be healthy on the inside. Because I've recognized this. Please hear me, church family. When we aren't healed on the inside and we constantly traffic in paranoia and overthinking, warnings and faith moves feel the same. Y'all hear me? A warning from God and a faith move by God feel exactly alike. You get butterflies from both. <laughs> so you can't tell when God is saying, nah, this isn't me from God is saying, yes, take the faith risk. But when I'm healed, I will stop using what they did to me as a resume as what God is trying to do for you now as a blueprint. Does this make sense? So I want us to heal on the inside. So here's the thing. Many of us can't discern red flags from a faith move. Yes, the safest place to be is in the will of God. But the most dangerous place to be is in the will of you. Okay? Because the true Christian life is the interrupted life. Can I get everybody to say interrupted? The true Christian life is the interrupted life. Let me tell you what happened just in case you didn't know. Whenever you made the call and you said, you know what? I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. What you just did was you gave him permission to interrupt your life. <laughs> See, he's the world's Savior, but he's not everybody's Lord. See? When you say, God, save me and be my Lord, what you're saying is, God, any path that I'm going on that does not glorify you, interrupt it. Any choice that I make that does not glorify you, interrupt it. Any choice that I'm trying to make be your will, but it is not your will, convict me. Interrupt. He will interrupt your relationships and hand out eviction notices. He will interrupt your sleep and say, get up, it's time for us to talk. 
I've noticed that God will even interrupt your clapbacks. He'll interrupt your clapbacks because that lady thought that you didn't hear what she mumbled under her breath last week and you just let it slide because you didn't have time. But on today, oh, you got time because I got time on today. And you're about to pop off and your Holy Spirit will say, shut your mouth. Don't you understand that not treating them like they're treating you is how you getting blessed? I'm trying to get you to understand not clapping back is tied to your blessing. I'm going to handle them. The interrupted life. He'll interrupt your plans. He'll interrupt your ideas. He'll interrupt your methods. He'll interrupt your agendas. He'll interrupt your programs. Because when you said save me, many times we haven't even recognized he's saving you from you. So the true Christian life is the interrupted life. So for anybody who does not like being interrupted, anybody who does not like being inconvenienced, anybody who does not like coming out of their comfort zone, I wonder, are you really a Christ follower? Because following him comes with interruptions. Now, our foundational text, what we read last week, is one of the most popular scriptures in Christendom. It's like, Psalms 23, John 3, 16, Proverbs 31, 10, Jeremiah 29. <laughs> there are very popular passages of Scripture, but we're going to do what most ministries don't do. We're going to keep reading verse 12 and 13. Okay, so it starts off by saying, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to not harm you, but to do you good, plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. And we shout and we post that and we make that our hashtag, don't we? But I'm like, why don't we read verse 12 and 13 though? Because verse 12 says, then you will call on me. <laughs> then you will call on me and come pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, and so this is what God was giving me during sermon preparation time. My people want my plan, but they don't want the seek. See? God, I want your will, but God's like, you don't have a seek life. There's no seek life before you date. There is no seek life before you respond. Ooh, y'all should see y'all faces. There is no seek life, but we're asking for the plan. But God's like, where's the seek? Because if you get the seek right, then you'll get the plan right. And a lot of us are getting his plan wrong because we have no seek life. No devotion, no prayer time, no fasting time, no scripture reading, no scripture memorization, no filling ourselves with the word of God. He's saying, you want my plan, where's my seek? All throughout the text, I can give you scripture after scripture. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence sometimes. Seek his presence when you feel like it. Seek his presence after you get blessed. Seek his presence continuously. That means when you get it, when you don't. When you like it, when you don't. Sunshine, storm. Seek his presence continually. Somebody shout, seek. seek. 
Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who, what's that word, seeks him. I'm going to keep going. Psalms 119, verse 10. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Say it backwards. I will wander from your commandments when I do not seek you. <laughs> this is so good, y'all. I told you I have to teach today. God is saying, you want my plan? Where's my seek? Amos chapter 5, verse 4. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live. And you know the scripture we love to quote. Matthew where it tells us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things. See, we want the things but not the seek. And he's trying to get us to see you get the things added once you have the seek. Your seek has been subtracted so the things won't be added. Trying to help us get it. It's the seek life that God is after. God, what is your will? God, is, what is your passion? God, what is beating on your heart? That's where you discover my will. That's where you discover your lane. That's where you discover your oil. That's where you discover your gifting. That's where you discover your calling. It's the seek life. But in 2022, we're more obsessed with being seen. <laughs> we're more obsessed with being seen, which is actually under-preparing us for our scene. Did y'all catch what I just said? Wordplay, but with the word I don't play. <laughs> we're so caught up at wanting to be seen that we're under-equipped for our scene. God is saying, you want my will? You have to have a seek life. I want to just continue the conversation that we started the Sunday before last. Is this God's will part two? Is this God's will part two? And I really want us to honestly audit our lives and ask ourselves the question, have, been, have I been asking God more for his plan, more than seeking his heart? Can I get us to say this confession? I know it's going to get real in here. But my job is to help you be able to grow in your faith. Amen. Enough with coming to church shouting but not being able to know God's voice. Amen. I need you to know when he's talking to you for you versus when you are talking to you versus when you are repeating what a narcissist told you versus when you are projecting an X thoughts on yourself. I need you to know God's thoughts and God's voice clearly for yourself. So I have to preach the truth. Can I get us to say this confession? And everybody online, can I get us to put this in the room in all caps? Father, Father forgive, me forgive me for wanting your plans, but abandoning the seek. I trust your plans more than my ambition. I want your will. One more time. Father, forgive me for wanting your plans. But abandoning the seek, I trust your plans more than my ambition. I want your will. For I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope, not to harm you, to give you a future.
But the part we don't keep reading is then you will call on me. You will come and pray to me. You will seek me and I will be able to be found when you seek me with your whole heart. Have we been asking God more for the plan and not having a seek life? It's going to be vital for your spiritual well-being and welfare for you to know God's yes and for you to know God's warning. I feel this, church family. I feel this all in my spirit because right now, under the sound of my voice and watching online, there are people who are literally living in the know of God. In the house, you are living in the know of God and you're trying to make it be his yes. And you keep on telling people you're so stressed out and I'm trying to give you the answer. It's because the lifestyle that you're engaged in is God's no. Not his yes. And can I give us a shocking illumination? Red flags will never be green lights. See that? One, two. See them golf claps? Y'all see that? Red flags will never be green lights. Your peace deficiency and your stress elevation is so high because you're trying to make something God said no his will. Trying to help you, sis. Loving him harder won't make him change. Bro, too. Loving her harder won't make her change. Change is a matter of a man's will, not how hard you can love. Gosh, I'm trying to help somebody. God's red flags that he shows us, they're warnings, not challenges. Did y'all hear what I just said? Because a lot of us see a red flag and think, I can make it green. Maybe with a little prayer. Maybe once he meet Jerry and Tanisha, he's really not going to like me. <laughs> Maybe this. And so what happens is we end up frustrating ourselves, trying to make what's not God's will his will. And the whole time not recognizing that your stress is God trying to give you the revelation, this is my no. Oh, it's quiet in here, y'all. His warnings are not challenges. Well, maybe this. Well, no. His warnings are warnings. <laughs> Period. God takes his time with a lot of things, church. But there's one area where I've noticed God kind of talks quick. It's when he's warning you, this ain't him. Amen. And for many of us, it's being manifested as stress. It didn't work because it's not my plan. It didn't go through because that's not my plan. It's not the timing or obedience is needed. And the reason I'm preaching so passionately and sweating week after week is because I want your will and God's will to be synchronized. I want your will and God's will to color coordinate. Hear me. I want God's will and your free will to be on one accord. The word accord in the Greek is symphonai. It's where we get the word symphony or tempo. So in other words, I want your will and God's will to be on the same beat. Amen. This is so good, y'all. Tempo. And so this is how it should look. When God is speaking, since you have a seek life, you can tell his tempo and your job with your life is to try to match it. 
I want you guys to kind of participate with this. You don't have the right to just sit there, nor do you have the right to remain silent. Terrence, I want you to just get on the drums really quick, and I want you guys to understand this. The word accord means tempo. It means cadence. It means rhythm. So when I say it, I want us to be on one accord with God's will, I'm saying I want us to be on the same rhythm. The same tempo. Sometimes you fall off beat, but you should be able to catch back on beat because you can hear the tempo. Is this making sense? So uh, Terrence, just play a tempo. Just a beat. I want y'all to clap to that beat. This is what it looks like when you can hear God. God has given you a rhythm. Right now, fast. Pray. That's it. Fast. Pray. And ever so often... God will switch the rhythm, switch up the rhythm. Match that beat. Good. Good. Catch the beat. Stop. Stop. Your ability to notice when God is saying shift and pivot is critical. Your ability to know when God is saying pick up the pace is critical. Your ability to know when God is saying slow down is critical. Now I want you to notice how when he shifts beats, y'all have to listen harder. Do a beat, just do a beat. Y'all match it, match it, good. You're listening, switch it up, switch it up. Go slower, go slower. Yeah, listen to the beat. Now stop. Notice how when it was a second, y'all like, okay, hold on. Am I still on the right beat? Is your prayer life like that? Oh, is this really God's will or is this mine? Is this, really, is this really God or is this me? And your attention, guys, your attention was heightened because you were trying to make sure you were matching. This is why in this season of your life, you can't afford to be distracted. You can't afford to just binge Netflix anymore because right now you have to be able to listen. Is God saying pivot? Is God saying move? Is God saying adjust? Is God saying stop? Is God saying slow down? He has a rhythm that he's trying to get you to get and you can't hear it when you're scrolling all day on Facebook. You can't hear it when you got your AirPods in your ear all day. We constantly don't know how to manage in the middle. When we're waiting for stuff, we're scrolling. What if God wants to speak to you while you're waiting? And so we have constantly lived lives where we're trying to feel the noise with boredom. Whenever we're bored, we try to feel it. But what if that quiet space was space where God was trying to get you? Here, I've shifted the beat. Tempo. Give you a Bible. I want you to see this. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost... Have fully come, they were all with one. What's that word, y'all? Y'all speak to me. What's that word? Accord. Accord in one place. And suddenly, this is so good, y'all. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house as they were sitting. Then there appeared to be them to be appeared to them divided tongues 
as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to catch this. The power of the Holy Spirit didn't come in the room just because somebody was preaching. The power of the Holy Spirit didn't come into the room just because they called themselves Christ followers. The power of the Holy Spirit didn't come in the room just because Jerry and Tanisha were up here doing worship. The power of the Holy Spirit came when they all got on a tempo. Did you hear what I just said? The oil can flow when you get on the tempo. The power will flow once you get on the tempo. The breakthrough will happen once you get on the tempo. Here's the answer for somebody's prayer. You've been saying, God, move on my marriage. God is saying, I will once you get on my tempo. God, move on my business. I will once you get on my tempo. God, move in my ministry. I will once you get on my tempo. It's a cadence. Symphoni. One accord. Once you get on my beat. Can I mess y'all up? Right beats will cause you to discover right streets. (laughs) This is so good. Right beats will cause you to discover right streets. And as I'm searching through the text, I noticed it seemed to be a marriage between the miraculous and people being on the right street. Come here. The woman with the issue of blood got her miracle because she happened to be on the right street. My God, what would have happened if she was two streets over? The 10 lepers got their healing because they happened to be on the right streets. What would have happened if they would have been on the wrong streets? Oh my God, blind Bartimaeus, and he was sitting on the side of the road. Could you imagine if he was hollering, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me? Three streets over, he just happened to be on the right street. Once you discover the beats, it will cause for you to discover The streets, because your life is a life that you're trying to stay on the tempo. God, do this in my life, okay? Get on my tempo. All my single people, I want y'all to hear me. Single is not a status. If I was a note taker, I'd get ready to write this down because it blessed me. Single is not a status. It is a description of those who refuse to entertain ponds, parasites, and any individual that gets you off beat. Listen, listen. Single, one more time, is not a status. It is a description for those who refuse to entertain pawns, parasites, or any individual that gets you off beat. I'm just not on beat with you. You single? Nope, I just haven't found somebody on the right tempo yet. Mm -mm. Because some of us, if we be honest, it's not that you can't get anybody. It's just that there are a lot of wrong beats. Anybody? It's not that there are some numbers you can text. As somebody who can take you out, y'all don't want to talk to me. You know how you have those backup texts? Like, I know who to call when I'm hungry. I know who to call. I know who is thirsty. (laughs) Brothers, you got to be careful because there's some sisters, they don't like you. You are, just, you are just removing their loneliness. That's it. And they want a free meal and they ask you what you're doing tonight. They ain't touched you all year. <laughs> Laugh if you want to. I know I'm telling the truth. 
It's your ability to recognize this isn't the right beat. So it's crystal clear. Just play a basic beat one more time, Terrence. I want y'all to see something. Just play a beat. All right. So I'll be like here. It's just me. Don't clap at me. Just here. All right. Tanisha, stand up real quick. Come over here. It's your fine self. All right. I want y'all to catch this. Now, in the spirit, if I know my tempo, this is the beat. I want you to start clapping all off beat. That's all off beat. All off beat. Okay? You should know God's tempo so much so, so you're like, that's not an option. Because they all beat. Now, what most of us do is this what we do. Come on, I'm trying to match it. What beat are you doing? It's hard. She's confusing me. I'm losing sleep. I'm having headaches. And I'm trying to catch on with her beat. But God is here. Now y'all match it. God is saying there's a beat. Stay on the beat. That's it. So when people get off beat, it's clear for you to tell that they're not on beat. Stop. Now I wonder how many of us have spiritual Tanisha's you're trying to match. You can go ahead and sit down, baby girl. <laughs> Trying to match their beat when God wants you on accord with his. Can I come for your throat real quick? <laughs> Most of us, we want narrow-way blessings while shacking with Broadway patterns. <laughs> That's what we want. Sorry, y'all. My generation requires real. There's a narrow way and there's a broad way. Most of us want narrow way bless blessings, but shacking with Broadway patterns. God is saying that there is a tempo that I have for you. God has a personal will for you. You have a personal plan for yourself. The world has a script for you to, a script for you to learn, and Satan has a scheme to distract you. With all of those different plans... Don't you think you want to have ears to hear the tempo? Amen. My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. The most critical sense of the Christian is your ear. The ability for me to be able to communicate correctly is limited because I can't hear right. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? When I can't hear right, I can't talk right. Now, you want me to be able to hear from heaven so that when I speak, I can give you a word from heaven. But why is it required of me higher than yourself? I don't have to go home with y'all. You have to do life. And I wonder, are you not talking right? Because you can't hear right. Now, there, there are two parts to this series. And you have to be able to listen to part one when I was really breaking down how to identify what God's will is and what God's will is not, I want to just give you four main components of God's will. God has a plan that has generational momentum. And that is number one, God has a plan for the home. Number two, God has a plan for your relationships. Number three, God has a plan for your livelihood. And number four, God has a plan for the church. Part one, you can hear all the ways to identify God's will and how to identify what's not God's will. 
But God has specific plans. See, this is how we get unctions from the Holy Spirit. Hear me, y'all. I got to teach. There's a difference between an unction and an assumption. Unction means anointing. And anointing means chosen. So when I say Jesus is the anointed one, the chosen one. So when you have a unction from the Holy Spirit, it is when the chosen one is showing you what's chosen for you. This is, make sense? I want to show you this in Scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Little children, it is the last time or the last days. And as ye have heard it, the Antichrist shall come. And even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So John is simply saying there are a lot of teachings that are against Christ. And the fact that there's so many things that are against Christ, that's proof that we are living in the last days. They went out from, uh, from us, but they never were of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Now I want to read the same verse, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, in the Message Bible. It says, but you belong. Somebody say, I belong. You belong. The Holy One anointed you, and you all know it. Verse 20, same verse from the New King James Version. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. This is why you need the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit knows all things. And so when you are about to make a decision, the proof that it's an unction is the Holy Spirit will show you this is what's chosen for you. This makes sense because you don't know all things, but the Holy Spirit does. And so when he gives you an, an, an unction, it's when God is saying, this is the way. Assumptions are flesh-based. Unctions are spirit-based. Assumptions are to jump to the closing credits without even knowing the story. That's an assumption. Who do men say that I am? Some say John the Baptist. Some say, Jesus, no, no, that's assumptions. What is your unction, Peter. You are the son of God. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my father in heaven. Are y'all seeing how this connects? God has a plan for the home. The home, God has a blueprint for the home. Y'all not, not going to like me for about the next three minutes, and that's okay. But I have to tell us the truth. Because the home is the epicenter of a generation. Hear me. I was a youth pastor for nine years. The home is the control center for a generation. For whatever happens in the home will always be in concert with what is going on in society. Okay? The home is a setup, not a state. Okay? Because where you were raised in your childhood is not a verdict for your destiny. Oh, but your home did aim you in a direction. And it's just by the grace of God that a lot of us did not hit the target our home was aiming at. God has a blueprint for the home. The home is supposed to be your safe house, not your psychiatric ward. 
The home is supposed to be the place where you escape chaos. It's where you get refreshed and your soul gets encouraged. The home is where the kingdom agenda and kingdom government is in full effect. Hear me. The, the children should be able to find their father praying in the middle of the night, not watching porn. The children should be able to catch their mother singing worship songs, a Maverick City song, or any other Jesus-saturated worship song. They should be able to walk downstairs and see mom and daddy kissing and say, ew. Because it is better for them to say, ew, instead of them saying, dad, put the gun down. Mom, why you got the knife? Daddy, where you going? Don't, don't leave. It's better for them to see that. Because hear me, the way the daughter sees her mother honor and respect the father is a syllabus on how she is supposed to respect and honor her future husband. The way the son sees his daddy respect, honor, and love and serve his wife is a syllabus on how he's supposed to love, respect, and honor his future wife. It's supposed to start in the home. Bible all day. Deuteronomy. I want you guys to see this. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be worn on your hearts. They're to be on your hearts so that you can impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frame of your houses and on your gates. What is the Bible saying? Discipleship is supposed to begin at home. Not a sermon from me and not in children's church. You're supposed to be the one that teaches them apologetics. They're supposed to learn it at home. How are you going to tell your daughter to practice purity when you have four or five men in and out your house this year? How? See how quiet it's getting? Because we want the narrow way blessing, but we enjoy the Broadway patterns. So I keep on having men and women in and out my house, and your children are like, I heard moaning and groaning in the bedroom, and I know that wasn't a prayer meeting. And then you try to tell them to stay out of grown folk business, but you're not discipling them at home. See? How are you going to introduce your children to each and every man you meet? They don't know who daddy is. In Malachi chapter 2 verse 15, it says, Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Two words, godly offspring. Now continue this. Look, <clears throat> so be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. What does God desire? Godly offspring. How do we get that? There has to be a godly man and there has to be a godly woman who come together under a covenant of marriage and have children. Okay. So, for all the brothers who think that they're so fly and they have so many women after them and everybody in your DMs, this is why hell is presenting you multiple wombs so that you can waste your seed in the belly of a whore. It's not about how fly you are. It's not about how fine you are. It's Satan hates God's agenda for the home. And he knows God desires godly offspring. 
So yes, she's thick. Yes, she's fine. But the purpose of it is for you to waste your seed in the wrong womb. It's not about how fly they are and how good she looks. It is about keeping the godly bloodline effective in the earth. And it starts at home. It starts at home. So when your son talks to you and asks you, what do I do with this feeling I'm feeling? You can teach him versus you don't have a resume because you have no self-control yourself. You can teach him, think with this head, son. This is where the real head is. And allow God to get your heart. You know how daddy did it? And you have methods to teach him. But if we don't have men who can teach the methods, we won't be able to stop it. It starts... In the home. That's God's will. Right there starts in the home. Number two, God has a will for your relationships. I told us this in March. There must be demolition after deliverance. When God brings you out of a thing, many times you're going to have to let go of those friends that are still in that thing. So how do you know if this is God's will when it comes to a relationship? Are they a part of your deliverance? Are they a part of your demolition? Do they assist the new you or assault the new you? Because whoever God sends is going to help you be fruitful and multiply. Whoever hell sends is going is to cause for you to be barren. God sends people to help you be fruitful. You don't need to pray anymore if this is God's will. How much fruit are they having you produce? How much fruit? Let me have my, my table up here. Let's get out of here. How, how, how fruitful is this relationship? And if you could be honest, the only thing that this relationship is really doing for you is pleasing you. And God doesn't send people in your life to advance. He doesn't send people in your life for romance. He sends people in your life for advance. Can I get everybody to say, God... Has a will for the home, and God has a will for your relationships. Okay, John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Jesus has given us a sauce, y'all. He's saying, you could tell who I sent from their fruit ability. Because who's not connected to the vine will be a stick. <laughs> Sticks have fallen off branches. But people who are in relationship with me are fruitful. God has a will for your relationships. Number three. God has a will for your livelihood. I want to read this passage of Scripture, show you this, and I'm going to get out of your way. Is this good? Amen. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike begin to make excuses. Notice that Jesus doesn't call them reasons. He calls them excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so you know <laughs> I can't come. 
The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town to bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. I want you to notice this. When he said, okay, go out and tell those who have been invited, that's you coming to Christ and saying, save me, be my Lord. Remember, the true Christian life is the interrupted life. So really, God is saying, okay, everybody who said I could use them, everybody who said I could save them, now I need them to represent. Now I need them to represent. Where's Torrance? I need them to represent. I have a plan for your life. The problem is you don't understand that my plan is about you being fruitful. Your plan is about people thinking you're fruitful. So... This is what happens. Come here, bro. I want you to come in the light. Get good light. So he has a plan, all right? Now, I'm representing God. I have a plan. Now, how do I know that a plan is from God? It's because the plan of God always comes with fruit, okay? Because God wants you to be fruitful. So I'm saying, okay, I have a plan for you. I prepared a place for you, and my place is going to make you be fruitful, all right? So I try to take his plan, but this is what most of us do. We don't let go of our plan. I try to reach for this too. We want them both. And so a lot of us, this is what we look like. God is trying to say, no, if you want this, give me this. Now, if you look at us, we're stuck. Whoever's been saying you stuck, you're not stuck. It's you want God's plan and yours too. You see? So I'm saying, no, this don't work like that. And some of us, birthday after birthday, the year's changing, but this is how you look in the spirit. God is like, okay, I got more for you, but let go of this. You're not going to get this until I get this. Now look, the reason I want him to let go is because I prepared a place for him. You see this? I prepared a place for him that's going to make him, look y'all, be fruitful. My whole goal in life is for you to be as fruitful as you could be. The first command God gave man was be fruitful and multiply. Is this God's will? How much fruit does it summon? So, find ourselves, God, ready to give this to you. Do you trust me enough? Because what I have for you will give you access. Now, look, here's the thing. It's not the whole table yet, but it's proof that I'm good. See? You're not there yet, but what God does is, come on, I need you to trust me. This is proof that I'm good. Come on, keep trusting me. Can you even hold everything I'm trying to give you? Keep, I want you to, I want to prove to you I'm good. Keep following me. I want you to prove, I want to prove to you I'm good. Now look, he's not at, even at the table yet. But the whole time as he's following me, the fruit is showing him I got more. Who am I preaching to? God is trying to get you to see I have more for you. And that's the, that's the whole purpose of church. For us to represent Jesus. 
for us to be a community of believers with a, with a plurality of leaders to encourage one another, strengthen one another. But the whole purpose of this, the reason you came here this afternoon is because you're supposed to hear something that makes you fruitful. Amen. How do I know if this is God's will? How fruitful does it make you? Two points, I'm just saying fast and we're done. Number one, get on tempo. Number two, the plan is revealed in the seek. That's it. That's it. For many of us who are crying and asking God, is this his will? I, I want you to always remember these. These look good, don't they? <laughs> these cluster of grapes. Because this isn't everything I have for you. It's just proof that I'm good for you. And if you'll give me your plan, I got more. Because that's the whole call of the Christian. To be fruitful and to multiply.